This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I, I've got the real treat and privilege today to interview Laura Durda. Laura is uh, the editor-in-chief of the Ambulatory Surgery Line, the Spine Line, Orthopedics at Becker's Healthcare. She's a true leader of a person and, and a great journalist. I want to talk to Laura today about the trend she's watching in the surgery center market, the trend she's watching in the spine market, and a little bit more. Laura, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. As you mentioned, uh, my name is Laura Deirda. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Becker's ASC and Becker's Spine Review. I've been with Becker's for 10 years. It's been a fantastic journey here, and I'm really excited to just see the company grow and develop. And I appreciate, Scott, you having me on the podcast today. So, Laura, thank you. Talk to us about what are the big trends? Talk about three trends or so that you're seeing in the surgery center market. You've been following it for a long time. What are some of the trends you're watching? Absolutely. So the number one trend that we're watching today is really the payer attitudes towards ASCs. I think especially looking at CMS, moving total knee and hip replacements into the ASC setting, plus several spinal fusions over the past two years, really is something that we're seeing as a boon for the ASC industry. And a lot of centers have been able to expand the number of cases they're doing there because of that. And then this past year, CMS announcing they'll eliminate the inpatient-only list really has a lot of physicians and ASC administrators excited about the potential for more procedures being able to go into the ASC setting. Obviously, that elimination of the inpatient-only list doesn't mean necessarily all those procedures will be approved in the ASC, but it's just the next step towards that. And I think um, that's really something we're watching very, very closely. On the commercial payer side, we're seeing the commercial payers more and more driving procedures to the ASC, in some cases refusing to authorize um, outpatient procedures in the inpatient hospital setting or charging extra fees for doing those cases in the inpatient hospital. And then I will say, though, commercial payer negotiations remain challenging for surgery centers um, to get the right rates, even if the, the companies do see the value of ASCs. In some regions, ASCs still aren't able to achieve favorable rates for um, procedures from some payers, especially in lower acuity cases like ophthalmology and GI just remain extremely challenging. The second trend we're seeing is in consolidation. Um, during the pandemic, obviously, like for most healthcare facilities and many businesses, there was lost volume in, in revenue during that time. They had to furlough staff in many places. And a lot of ASCs, even though they're recovering some of that volume, still have high supply and PPE costs, which are putting financial strain on the centers. So solo and independent centers, especially the smaller ones, really are seeing more um, more benefits of joining the hospital, selling to the hospital, or joining a larger ASC chain. I think we're also seeing mid-sized groups um, having similar challenges, um, but they have another option too. Instead of necessarily just selling to the hospital or joining a chain, they're also more likely to uh, merge with other independent groups and form some more of these super groups, which I know I'll talk about a little bit later as well um, as an option instead of selling outright. And then finally, private equity is still very interested in orthopedics and GI and ophthalmology, and they see ASCs as a real asset in those transactions. Um, and the third trend that we are watching very closely is actually growth within the centers. There are a lot of centers that have reported growth even during the pandemic because um, the pandemic forced surgeons that had never considered 
outpatient procedures before to go to the ASC and see how it works, become comfortable with it, um, and then really actually want to take their practices more often there even after the pandemic. So I think um, having those trends between the the CMS and payers more willing to reimburse there and surgeons um, having technology that allows them to perform cases in the ASC and then really being forced to have that experience, you know, they're um, wanting to be in the ASC setting. I think orthopedic groups have talked to us about having physicians contact them on a regular basis for privileges in their center to do total joints and others. Um, and that presents a new challenge in terms of just making sure that, you know, they're able to expand quickly enough and um, getting the right people there. So it's not just, you know, somebody that's coming in to do cases, but really fits into the culture of their center. Um, and then, Finally, we're looking at, um, in that growth aspect, there are more ASCs that are adding robotics. Um, it's becoming more feasible from the technology side. Vendors are developing ASC-specific programs, and surgeon demand for the robotic technology is up, even in some cases with surgeons um, saying, you know, they won't take their cases to a center unless they have the robot. Um, and so it really becomes necessary to, to do that in some regards, um, especially for orthopedic knee replacement procedures. And, and talk about what you're seeing in, that's what you're seeing in surgery centers. What are you seeing in the spine world, in the spine area? Absolutely. So in spine, I think the first trend that we're seeing in the technology side of things um, that's really gotten big over the past year is looking at moving innovation from implants instrumentation into more of the enabling technologies, um, which would include navigation, robotics, and augmented reality. I think anything that can make procedures more precise um, and make operations more efficient really is, is the name of the game here versus the new widgets and, and little things that, um, you know, would make adjustments or slight adjustments to procedures. I think especially as healthcare moves more to value-based care, you know, the, the bigger um, ticket items that can really make a difference for outcomes and costs are going to be more valuable than some of the, the implants and, and those types of things that only have marginal, marginal improvements for surgeries. Um, I think next, you know, I mentioned the robots a little bit, but I think, you know, spine robots still have a ways to go in terms of being able to really show the value side of things. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the orthopedic robots for knee replacements right now, they really have the ability to enhance the procedure and allow surgeons to provide extreme value to patients. Um, the, the spine robots don't quite do the same thing yet, but the technology is evolving and moving in that direction. So eventually, you know, a lot of surgeons see robots being able to really enhance those procedures, but the technology just isn't there yet. I think the second big trend that we're looking at is um, some of the, the super groups, as I've mentioned before in the past year, we saw, you know, those types of groups emerge in Florida Tennessee, and most recently, Texas. So, you know, those are groups with 100 or more orthopedic physicians or spine physicians coming together and, um, you know, really being able to thrive as a, a larger entity that isn't affiliated with a national chain or um, hospital. Um, and then finally, just the shift to outpatient. I think more and more spine and neurosurgeons are seeing the value of the outpatient setting, um, have the technology and the payer amenability. So, you know, Everyone understands outpatient is where it's going. It's just a matter of figuring out where they want to take their, their um, cases and how that fits into a larger ecosystem of any kind of community. 
Fantastic. When you, when you look at 2021, Laura, sort of the surgery environment, the spine environment, the sort of hopefully sort of the tampering down of the COVID pandemic, what are you most excited about this year? When you look to this year, what are you most excited about this year? Yeah, yeah. I'm just really excited to see the different types of ways that outpatient surgery centers, you know, are going to grow and develop. I think many of them have spent a long time just focusing on the surgical episode. Um, and now they really have the opportunity to shine and show that, you know, they're part of a larger continuum of care. Um, you know, especially when looking at orthopedics and spine, many more are bringing in um, aspects of care for pre-surgery, um, working patients up, and then, you know, post-surgery as well, rehab and using technology, telehealth, et cetera, to build function, functionality in for patients so that, you know, they really can control more of the episode of care. And I think that's really exciting because it, looking at the overall cost of care, it'll really help bring that down, um, bring, you know, more uh, access to care for patients and then um, being able to, you know, have better outcomes and, and just really drive costs down. Fantastic. Laura, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. You're a brilliant journalist and leader. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about surgery centers, talk about spine and, and what you'll see this year. Thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Scott.